Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Culture Hour. I'm one of the founders, Shelly Smith, and my partner, Elizabeth Valise, is on site doing her thing right now, so we will catch up with her on the next viewing. Today, I am absolutely thrilled and honored to introduce to you Carol Clark. Carol is a five-time number one best-selling author, which is pretty amazing, and hopefully we'll have time she can give, rattle off a few of those books uh, for you today as well and tell you where you can get them. But she is the founder of the Weight Loss Practice Builder. And today, of course, we're talking all things culture. And uh, But first, I want you to hear a little bit more about Carol. So Carol, take it away and let the audience know who you are and what you do. Terrific, Shelly, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I'm really someone who am a nurse by trade, and I help physicians add medical and surgical weight loss as well as retail into their practice so they can increase their revenue, improve their patient outcomes, and have a lot of fun along the way. Because as you know, with any culture, at least the ones I've ever involved in, that's an important piece of it as well. You have to like what you're doing. Absolutely. So people call on you for all kinds of diagnostics, obviously above and beyond or outside of the weight scope, to help them grow their practices. So tell us a little bit about maybe some common phone calls you get or some common ailments that you see that you help folks with. And of course, I'm going to do my thing and tie it to the culture piece. Sure thing. Well, one of the biggest things I get a question about from physicians is that they want to, particularly with bariatric surgeons, I work a lot with bariatric surgeons, and their biggest need is they want to add additional um, cases, additional patients to their practice. So a lot of it is how to attract patients and then how to work with them effectively to convert them into a surgery and appropriate uh, treatment modality for them to help them lose weight. So usually it's, I call and I say, well, what's the top three goals that you have? And it's like, more cases, more cases, more cases. <laughs> more patients, more patients, more patients. So I help from that perspective. And then along the way, I also get asked questions about various things, anything related to practice management, facility planning, how to add retail into practices, because the reality is it actually does help patient outcomes, especially when it comes to weight loss. And a lot of physicians are not trained in a lot of those things and how to do it in a, a fun and engaging way with their patients. Those are probably the top things that I I'm asked questions about. What are some, um, if there are, are there aren't, are there any familiar hiccups and maybe you see from a front office to even be able to expand? Sometimes, you know, we want more, but when we get more, we grow too quickly. Our culture's not ready to handle it. So is there anything common that you see? Absolutely. Uh, a lot of it has to do with as they're expanding their practice. When, when physicians need to set themselves apart from the competition, the biggest thing that's going to do that for them, the biggest impact is going to be their staff. And it's really their frontline employees. And so we go back and we kind of talk a little bit about, okay, what sort of, I call it, I don't know what you call it, but I kind of call it the vibe of their practice. Yeah. And the, the vibe is really a lot about their team and the systems or processes that they have in place. And then sort of what's their wow factor? What is it about them that makes them different from their competition? And that really has to come from the top down. And that's what also I think helps build your, your culture because it's the vision of the person who's in charge that's going to guide that culture. So sometimes you have to get back down to those basics. And really the front, uh, the front team, uh, is really going to be critical to their long-term success for sure. 
Absolutely. And, you know, that's, that's definitely a, a common theme with uh, regardless of what industry I, I work with. Obviously, the staff is number one. We can have a vision of what we want the vibe. I like that. The vibe to be, the culture to be, the jam of the culture. But right. the reality is the people that are hired are going to make an impact and live up to whether that vibe is a reality or not. Is there anything that you see that are um, from a system, a process, or uh, maybe a missing training or component? Are there any similarities that you see really between the practices that you help? I think um, with a lot of practices, you get the same, you know, you, you see it in almost any workplace. It's you want to build that dream team. And along the way, there's lots of hiccups because there's lots of personalities at play. And so a lot of it's a, a matter of exactly what you do. I mean, you've used Shelly in some practices, and she's done a great job. But it's really about how to build that team. And when there's differences, how you can take those and smooth them out. And you really use the – because you don't want all the same type of employee. You don't want everyone with the same personality because you want to have that, that interaction. Some people are better at, at, at different things, and so they're going to come with different personalities. So you want to figure out how to make those personalities work really well together. And, uh, and, and make it so that your team is really all on the same page. Yeah. And one other thing I was, especially in practices, I think especially in the medical field, people don't realize that every single person on your team is actually kind of a salesperson. They're a marketer and they're a salesperson. So, and for clinicians, I mean, I, I know I'm a nurse. I like to just give everything away, be kind. Sales is kind of like icky to me, sort of foreign. But the bottom line is, that sales is a part of every one of those positions and trying to build that in as well as having a cohesive team uh, is some of the common things that, that I've seen. When you go in, do you help, do you actually do the training for them? And if so, is there like a common type of training or do you recommend it? Or is there maybe a checklist that you use when you go in to do sort of a diagnostic of where they're at and suggestions on how they can best grow, maybe based on the team that they have or their setup? Sure. Well, most of the time, I end up being brought in first for strategy in terms of how to grow their practice. And so we start from a broader perspective and we see what is it that you're offering right now? What is it that you're missing? Is it um, marketing? Is it retail? Is it medical weight loss? Is it surgical weight loss? Is it your educational programs? What is it that you currently offer? And then what is it that you're not offering that could really benefit your patients and your bottom line? And what happens is as a byproduct of that, it all starts to go back to the team because all your marketing efforts, everything goes back to the team. So I'm usually brought in more as a strategist and somebody to help them build marketing campaigns and kind of build and add on retail and add all these things into their practice, do a little facility planning. And then most of the time what happens is you start out with like, I've got this great team, everything's going great. And you notice that there's conversions that are being missed. And so you'll find that patients will like, will be falling off, like they may be coming through, um, but yet they don't convert to the next phase. And so that's really more where that diagnostic comes in. And, and then I do more of an assessment about, you know, where might that breakdown be occurring? And I don't typically do the training for that. I can make recommendations for that, um, but I usually deal more with the, the retail and building or practice part of it. But the staff is an integral part of that. So then I would use outside sources or see the strengths of their administrator or their manager and see if they're able mm -hmm. to help work somebody like yourself in from the outside or somebody else that can help help with that sort of a thing. Beautiful. So usually those things, they come up as a byproduct of what my original purpose is. 
Got you. You know, what, what I like about what you do, uh, again, just to draw the, the, the web line or the similarity that I think every, not just a practice, but every trade, every industry um, should, can apply what it is that you just said. And what I heard you say, and, and please clarify, and I'm paraphrasing, but is to first draw the line of, of where we are and what it is that we're trying to accomplish. And then I heard you say you, you kind of step back and see what's working and not working and then look mm -hmm. at where those gaps are and then put strategies in place. But the key thing I heard you say was it all does come back to the staff. So whether the staff is capable, whether they are the right staff with the right behaviors that are aligned, um, or if they're going to be able to take on this, this new um, product that our service that is willing to be offered that it still stems back from them so I, I think that whether you're running an entire company or an individual department that root cause analysis that you described is probably important and could be applied literally across any type of industry and I, I love that is that right. kind of your um, your step or your your process or or can you tell the viewers as we start to wrap up maybe your one, two, three, maybe top five things that they should look at, again, regardless of whether they are a, a practicing service like your expertise is in, but any industry or department, is there like a top, top five tips you could give to look at to get started when they're trying to figure these things out? When they're trying to figure out uh, their, their office flow or, yeah. or practice? Yeah, uh, if there's growth, yeah. if they're yeah. missing something, if their staff is aligned. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to start with something that they shouldn't do just because Beautiful. <laughs> that is, I, I don't know, but uh, when I go into places and we're talking about adding something new and different, they're creating, you know, anytime there's change, people get really anxious about that. And so one of the first things that happens is they may try to fight that change. And um, sometimes the management staff of those that are in charge, their first response is let's add more staff. <laughs> I don't want to stress these people out. I want to make sure that they that I have enough staff to support the new service. Uh, so I guess some of my my tips would be number one, don't just automatically add people because sometimes that and most of the time actually that's not what's really necessary right away. And it's one of those things you have to introduce whatever the change is and then see what the see how that's reacted. So that's probably one of the things. It's not to just automatically jump to I need more people. I need more people. Yeah, that's what you're going to get from the front lines. Like I can't, I'm already busy with what I've got going. I can't possibly do that. So that's probably one thing. Then the next thing I would say is, I found that it's very helpful to challenge your staff with an outcome versus a task. So if you're introducing something new, talking to them about the outcome, and I, what I've found is that actually staff appreciate that, and they're so it gives them responsibility. Yes. And so they're much more likely to really put some thought into how we're going to make this work in the best possible way. And if I'm taxed with adding this new service or increasing revenue by this certain amount, then they get really creative. And you kind of can step out of the way and see what comes from that. So first, not putting, you know, like I mentioned, not throwing staff at second is challenging of outcomes versus um, a task. And then the other thing is... Um, just making sure that you're you're working with the staff together and that they have buy-in from the beginning. And I guess I'm referring a lot to change, but making sure that you involve the team in terms of what that, so they can make some some decisions about how this is going to roll out. And obviously, you don't want to have make confusion because there's too many 
people involved, but people will, if they have buy-in, they're much more supportive of whatever the change is. And so I found that to be, to be really helpful. And then to pause and really, I think, and people who are, you really need to take that time. I think most people do, but to really sit down before you even start this over and, and learn about what the strengths and areas for improvement are in staff, but mostly the strengths and what their goals are. Because a lot of times you'll have somebody in a position who has no idea that they really want to be doing something that's a, a something you would have never put as a stretch for them. So yeah. talking to them, knowing what their strengths are, what it is they want, and then helping them get there. So knowing your staff really, really well in that way is helpful too, because then you can position them in terms of where all the different needs are going to be. That's probably another thing that I found to be really helpful and to do that at least once a year and do it during performance uh, appraisals or, or however. Um, and then another thing is uh, I found it's helpful to develop contracts instead of position descriptions. So, oh, love that. So that you, you know that they, um, they have sort of, sort of a contract there. And, um, and with that, these are the set expectations of everyone who works here. These are the ones specific to your job. And you kind of do it as a contract so they understand exactly what's expected of them and verbalize that or, or write it out in outcome perspective versus just a task. Um, because that way, you know, you, you recognize the maturity of your staff, you challenge them, and it's amazing how they will rise to the occasion. Even people you think there's no way that could happen. They rise yeah. to the occasion because if they know the culture, they know the vision that you have, they want to do well. Nobody wants to go into their job and do crappy. <laughs> they want to do a exactly. good job. So anything you can do to help them do a good job will really improve your overall organization and makes everybody involved look like more of a rock star for sure. I love all of that. I think my favorite is the outcome. I love how you phrase that. And it, it gives it a whole new perspective and makes that change you know, less scary. So I, I definitely love that. And I love the, uh, the contract versus the job description piece. It's, it sounds so much more like a two-way street um, yeah. when you have an agreement. I love that. Those are right. great. Those kind are great. Back to the Michael Gerber days, you know, with uh, the ENS, that sort of thing, I guess, yeah. as an entrepreneur. But even in terms of like a couple of examples, I know in our retail store, I, I, just, I just get goals in terms of revenue. And they come, the staff comes up with the most awesome ways to meet that. And they, so they get this number in their head and then they want to beat it. They, you know, yeah. so they get all charged up about it. Yeah. And um, that works really well. Or recently we do, um, we've, we've done some Lipo B complex injections and the board of pharmacy changed all their rules and regulations. So rather than going the old, we would go in and I'd figure it all out and I'd go dictate how to do it. But I had a my desk person who did all the injections, and I said, "Can you do this?" She's like, "Me? I get to do that?" And she developed the whole system, put it all in place, did beautiful, and uh, so it saved me time, and it also improved her buy-in and just her whole feeling of self-worth and uh, and and her ability as an employee. And then the, the last thing I guess too is is uh, everyone's rewarded or feels rewarded in different ways. So whether it's a thank you, whether it's a bonus, whether, however they're figuring out how they're motivated. Um, it's kind of like the five love languages, but it's related to, to business as well, you know, in terms of what people are motivated by. And so knowing that and then being really fair for everybody. So so that's probably the other thing when they rise to the occasion to make sure that they, they understand what a difference they made. And so helping to take those concepts and put them into a variety of practices it can really make the difference between going to a job that you love and adore and one that you kind of tolerate or one that you dread. Yeah. Sure. 
Yeah, that's the optimal engagement that you're describing, the seen, valued, and heard. And I love that you do it through the behavioral side. So, you know, obviously a predictive index, user, lover, a consultant <laughs> of it. And you just talked all of my, my behavioral love languages through the predictive <laughs> index piece. It's so true, you know, asking people just want to be asked sometimes and we think that they don't and we think they're disengaged and it's just that we're not, we're not asking uh, people to step up. And I couldn't agree with you more. People do want to be asked and they do want to be engaged. They don't want to come to a job they don't like. So I love that. Right. You have given a wealth of uh, information to the viewers today. A couple of things. Number one, I want to know how can they reach you in the best, easiest way. And then number two, why don't you uh, rattle off your books or your recent book or however you want sure. to do it. And, uh, and then we'll put a wrap on today's session. So how can they find you? Terrific. The easiest way to find me is just via email. My name is Carol with a K, K-A-R-O-L, at weightlosspracticebuilder.com. The website is weightlosspracticebuilder.com. And uh, I also, on the side, I do, I love publishing. Um, I have a separate a corporation called Your Best Seller Book, but it's a lot of fun. But one of the things I found that helps people grow their businesses, but my, the books that I've actually um written and and that have been published all went to number one involved mostly one's the five profit engines of a successful bariatric surgery practice i just launched one last week called how to add medical weight loss to your practice Beautiful. and uh all of them have a little bit of components about practice management also one actually called your bestseller book and then the other two are marketing books they're all on amazon if you just look up my name carol with a k middle initial h clark they all kind of come up so beautiful um, yeah so that's, I love that's it. Well, thank, for me. thank you for being a guest today. You know, again, I want to um, preference the, our stress rather that regardless of what type of business you're in, the things that you mentioned today, the tips, the outcomes, the focus on the staff are applicable regardless of whether you're a two-man shop or several thousands of employees and departmentalized and different affiliates. Those, those basic concepts of understanding where we are, where we want to go, um, what are the opportunities to get there and involving the team are critical regardless. And I love how you articulated that, especially with the, uh, the outcomes piece. So my name is Shelly Smith. Thank you, Carol Clark, for joining us today on the Culture Hour. And we'll be having more guests as well as Elizabeth and I coming back together to talk about the most recent national SHRM conference that was in uh, Chicago in 2018, uh, just last month or few weeks ago. Um, until then, peace out. My name is Shelly Smith, the founder of Premier Rapport and one of your hosts for the Culture Hour. Until then, remember, culture matters. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining me and another guest for the Culture Hour. If you want to go back to past episodes, make sure you follow the podcast on any of your favorite apps and devices. If you're looking for a daily dose, a little short snippet, then all you need to do is hop over to the other podcast called Your Morning Commute. Thank you again for tuning in. If you're looking for questions, other speakers, more topics, by all means, reach out. Shelly at PremierReport.com. Remember, culture isn't built in a day. Culture is built every day. Are you spending your money and your time and energy on repairs? Or are you spending your time and your energy defining and maintaining? Be safe out there.